0: So I have here with me today, Nicholas Whittaker, uh, and he's an expert for high achievers looking to navigate stress, burnout, and big life changes. And I know that you are a many talented individual. What else do you do? How did you get into this whole uh, corporate education, wellness space?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, Alan, it's good to see you. And thank you for reading my very uh, overly long bio. Actually, hearing it read out loud uh, always makes me realize I need to. A- Cut it down even further, but I do have a lot of different things that I have my fingers in. You know, I, I think for me, a lot of this came from my own mental health journey, uh, working in these different uh, very high stress environments for like several decades, and just noticing what was working, what wasn't. You know, where there was gaps in my uh, my own well being, my own experience, and then actively seeking out training, actually, you know, finding learning and development opportunities as a lifelong learner to build my skill sets because I realized like the soft skills communication, uh, skills, uh, emotional regulation and emotional awareness skills. Like these are the core things that are really holding me back, uh, as an earlier version of myself when I didn't have very high, high level skill sets in these areas. So doubling down on those, uh, building out a, a, collection of different things that really worked well for me. And then it made me realize like, I actually really have a lot to offer to other folks to help them along their path and mentorship and training and education is a big part of like what lights me up. So i kind of spent the last eight or nine years both working on myself very extensively but also like building my skill sets as a facilitator and a teacher to help bring people along with me
0: that's amazing uh and of course you and i worked together at google for for many years yeah. what um what got you into google to begin with like what like what bridge led you there it's kind of an unusual career path uh yeah in it's very
1: unusual. Yeah. You know, cause I mean, going back in, and I was at Google, a total of 13 years when you kind of count full-time plus uh, what they call TVCs, temp spenders, contractors. So I spent a long time, uh, most of my thirties and half of my forties uh, in there. And then before that I had my own production company. So I was doing media marketing uh, uh, content, training videos, instructional videos and things like that. This is kind of pre- uh, social media days. So working for nonprofits, <laughs> government agencies, things like that. Uh, some big names and they're doing a bunch of work in reality television, the media industry writ large in New York City. Uh, and this is right around the 2008, 2010 economic collapse. So uh, sure. my business went from making six figures to making like no figures within a period of like a few months oh, wow. and it became very clear that like this was not a sustainable path, at least with what mm-hmm. I had at that time in terms of skills, network, and just general availability. So uh, I was getting drinks with a buddy of mine actually on the roof of, of his building. And uh, he was like, Hey, you know, uh, do you know anybody, do you know any of your students? I was teaching at the time uh, video production. He's like, do you know cool. any of your students that might be interested in doing some training videos for Google? And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to, that'd be great. So I, I did like one or two videos. Uh, Introductory videos and some workshops for Google Earth and Google Maps, uh, specifically trying to help news broadcasters use these. Uh, we called it the "googly swoop," like coming down yeah. from the sky down into like an <laughs> urban area. Googly swoop. Uh, teach yeah. them how to actually do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, teach them how to use that those tools, and then that kind of one thing led to another. I, I you know, expanded the work that I was doing uh, as a temp vendor and contractor, and eventually got hired full time to do that type of work. Uh, For a team called the Google News Lab.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, I've known you for a while. I didn't know that whole story. So it's good to to have the elaboration. But so like that really connects back in with the whole big life changes thing. Were there other big changes that came in during that time period that kind of like led you down this wellness path?
1: Absolutely. Well, I mean, the biggest thing was hitting burnout for the first time. Uh, mm. I'd never experienced burnout before. There wasn't even a word for burnout back then. Uh, we, people we just didn't even talk about mental health issues in the workplace. It was just still very much, and it is still very much a taboo subject. Um, I was in a very unique role. I was traveling internationally, representing Google in front of newsrooms at conferences and conventions, basically setting up train-the-trainer networks. Uh, I was in 32 countries in a period of four years. So it was essentially wow. like two to three weeks out of every month. I was on the road, airport, hotel, conference room, and rinse and repeat. And I, I had never experienced that type of frenetic energy and pressure and intensity of being in front of, uh, you know, largely hostile audiences. You know, they weren't particularly favorable to Google back then. Sure. Um, and it broke me honestly like I ended up in uh I was in Japan I ended up on the floor of my hotel room convinced I was having a heart attack wow. uh you know did some quick searching on YouTube as everyone does when they're having a heart attack to kind of see what's <laughs> going on and I uh, came across a Pema Chodron actually uh, had uh, she's a, a nun and a Buddhist uh monk I believe but she she uh she had this video basically on when things fall apart which is her book and it was a promo video for this book and I came across that and it reminded me like I had done meditation and mindfulness as a a younger person but I never really took it seriously it was only ever something that I kind of really did whenever I was in like crisis Um, and it it wasn't really like something that I put into my well-being toolkit on a regular basis so watched a couple of these videos managed to calm myself down a little bit realized I wasn't actually having heart attack at all. It just felt like that. And then, yeah, yeah. When I got back <laughs> to the States, it was like, so, something has to change, you know? Yeah. So got a good therapist, had a good coach, you know, started going more regularly to meditation, uh, sessions at the Shambhala center and the Zen Buddha center in Brooklyn in Manhattan. Oh, uh, and Manhattan. Uh, was kind of the beginning of my, like, let me take this seriously journey.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, and I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you took those steps because uh, that's uh, <laughs> like, I've seen too many people burn out and they can have like really bad health effects long-term, especially in learning and design. Uh, a lot of people don't think about that as something that's high pressure. Uh, but when you're, when you're on a stage facilitating a lot, like it definitely takes its toll, especially if it's boom, boom, boom. Right. Um, yeah.
1: And I don't think people really take that into account a lot of times is that, you know, burnout shows up in a lot of different ways for different people. But a lot of times it's either environmental or it's situational, you know. So the type of energy you're putting out there, the type of work that you're doing, uh, the type of culture and the the colleagues that you're working with can really impact these things. Um, you know, and there are basic things that you can do to take good care of yourself so that you're you're running that marathon as a marathon and not as a sprint, like as a lot of
0: people often use as an analogy. Love um, it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've, I've ran a marathon before. I barely ran it as a marathon, uh, to be perfect, Frank. (laughs) As long as you don't get Um, picked
1: up by the sweep truck, that's always my goal.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Just, just keep going just a little bit ahead of it. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious about your, your time in learning and development and how you've used that with wellness. Uh, tell me, like, I'm really curious about like the actual work you do. What is the project that you've done in that space that you're most proud of?
1: Yeah, in terms of learning development, I mean?
0: Yeah, learning development and like wellness. I feel like the two have kind of like combined in a really cool way. Yeah, they really have.
1: You know, so I think you know, there's two things that come to mind. You know, the, the first thing is really some of the work I was doing for the Google News Lab back in the day. And it was really working with a, a community of people, journalists who are trying to bridge that digital divide, you know, to basically bring their skills up to speed to the modern era as quickly as possible. And there's a lot of resistance there. There's a lot of like, uh, I'm not good with technology there. There's a lot of just suspicion about you know what was going on in the space and building out this train the trainer model where we were essentially finding folks within region that knew the knew the culture they knew the uh, you know intricacies of how uh, those news ecosystems worked they knew the learning needs of those organizations very well. We basically found those folks, trained them up on the skills uh, that we were offering, and then allowed them to then go and often train others. And it was like the first opportunity that I really had to work on a project that had like really big impact and scale. You know, before yeah. that I had been doing like one-on-one type of inter- inter- engagements or interventions. Um, or I was doing group workshops or boot camps, but this was something that really had like massive impact and we were able to hit like multiple thousands of people over the, la- over the you know, four or five years that we were doing that stuff. Uh, and it kind of was what was the precursor to even larger programs that I ended up participating in later on. So that, that's one that definitely comes to mind. You know, more on the well-being front, I think the thing that uh, I was really most proud of uh, was the work that I was doing with the GPOS org within Google. So that was a meditation and mindfulness community. And it had yeah. this really interesting intersection of community development and community building, marketing, partnerships, because you're working with other um uh, affinity groups and other uh, organizations within the, the company. Uh, and then also the the direct uh, taking people on a journey of discovery and self-awareness uh, component. So it was really this really fun activity that I was able to do to kind of pull pull all these various different elements of my education and background uh, together to really serve a a purpose and serve a need. Unfortunately, it was always just the 20% project that I was doing. Uh, It was never my full-time role, but that also, I think, gave me a lot of leeway to experiment and and work with new ways of approaching it that had less pressure involved in it. So it had a little bit of everything that I needed right then.
0: And for the non-Googlers listening to this, what's a twenty percent project? <laughs> yeah, it's a
1: myth, is what it is. Uh, yeah. A twenty percent project is essentially, uh, presumably, a uh, the ability for an individual that works at Google to t- take twenty percent of their time and devote it to another non-direct core role type of a job or volunteer effort or something along those lines what it often ends up being is more like 120 uh, (laughs) percent you're essentially doing it on your on hour off hours on the weekends and things like that but you know for me it was a real passion project and it was something that even to this day since I've gotten laid off from Google most recently uh, the things that people have been reaching out to me about It was never, hey, that that executive deck that you put together was just like amazing, unforgettable. It was never like, hey, that spreadsheet that you sent was like really crisp and awesome. I just, I think about that all the time. It was people (laughs) reaching out about the G-Pause work and it was about the meditation community that we we built there and how it helped people in particular throughout the pandemic to to weather some of these uh, really difficult challenges that we've all been facing.
0: Yeah, I definitely uh, took advantage of G-Pause myself. Uh, Recommend a friend. (laughs) <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely, it was definitely very transformational for me at work. Um, I'm curious on that. So like earlier, you mentioned impact with the other project. How did you, like, I'm super curious. How did you think in terms of impact for g Or was it not about that? Was it more about putting it out there? Like, I don't want to put more words in your mouth, but. Yeah, no,
1: it. it was a yes and. I mean, I think it. it here's the thing with programs like this, like the ROI is so hard to measure, you know, cause you could, you could get down to the point where you're saying like, okay, this individual took part in two workshops and four uh, guided meditations. And because of that, their productivity and their execution and focus improved X percent. Theoretically, you could do that, but there's so many other variables and factors that are coming into the mix. It's really hard to be able to get it down and say like this particular intervention really helped or supported. So the way we really measured success was more about reach and scale. Okay. You know, once we launched the newsletter, we had a speaker series where I brought uh, experts and, and wisdom uh, practitioners in from outside of Google into the community. Uh, we had uh, at one point uh, uh, mini meditation retreats. We had daily meditations uh, set up in multiple different time zones. And very quickly, we were able to see how that entire program expanded and scaled internationally to different markets. Uh, And we saw over time uh, the uptick or the swell of people attending those, particularly during the first couple of years of COVID. Um, And then we would have, you know, CSAT surveys or customer satisfaction surveys uh, and other types of feedback that we were able to get from folks on individual sessions that we did or workshops that we did as well as the newsletter. So it's kind of this mix of customer experience, the scale and, and breadth of how that program Uh, expanded over time and then I think the knock-on effect too is like we started getting a lot of positive feedback from leadership within various different organizations who were reaching out to us because they heard about hey we knew that you did this mindfulness exercise or this mindfulness workshop for this team could you come in and do something like that for our our team over here so that was some of the things we started to see over the last couple years was a lot more people coming to us and that was a good indication I was like we must be doing something right here
0: Yeah, well, that's a that's a huge um, impact that you can see that like, especially with individuals coming back to you. Like it's, you don't need to necessarily measure or refer to friend if the referrals are coming your way. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, that's great. I'm, I'm glad that went well. Um, as far as the project goes, that's something that's very unusual inside of the corporate world. Like never before in my career have I seen anything quite like it. So it's amazing that you were able to be a part of it. But uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I'm honestly, it's one of the things I'm most grateful for in my time at Google, you know, and, it, and it's, it's birthed a lot of really interesting kind of side projects. You know, I'm, I'm part of a group called the Mindful Workplace Alliance. It's folks like myself who used to manage or currently manage uh, well-being or mindfulness programs in their organizations. So it's a knowledge share and kind of like a brain trust of different folks that are trying to do this type of work in the space. Uh, There's another organization that I just recently joined up with called the Changing Work, hashtag changing work. Uh, Scott Shute, who was the former head of mindfulness and well-being programs at LinkedIn, as well as a bunch of other uh, folks similar to us, uh, were working to kind of build a rubric and a model uh, to go into organizations and kind of provide these same types of opportunities even for groups that maybe don't have that inherently built in. So how, how do we scale that? How, how do we set that up for them? Uh, and how do we provide those types of services? So, you know, it gave me a good thing to pivot to as soon as uh, the layoffs happened, as soon as I uh, left
0: Google. That's great, I've, I've loved to watch you on, uh, on LinkedIn and whatnot, uh, expanding that network. It's really cool. Appreciate uh, it. <laughs> have you ever been asked to create or deliver bad training I don't think they were ever
1: uh, asking me to create bad training, but they were often asking me to create training initiatives that were obviously not going to work for a variety of reasons. Um, You know, I I had clients that would say like, yeah, we want, you know, uh, a keynote presentation and a fireside chat with our CEO. And then what we want to do is we want to have like some like uh, direct engagements for individuals in these teams. And we're going to do that in like, uh, two weeks and we're going to do it with no (laughs) budget. And, uh, we don't know exactly what the outcomes are going to be. And like, no, one's actually asked for any of this. So like, can you do that for us? And it's like, yeah, we technically could do that for you, but like, what are you actually trying to do? Like, what's the end goal that you're trying to achieve? (laughs) One of the learning outcomes that you're hoping to take away from this experience And is it meeting people where they're at within the areas where they're actually struggling? You know, and I think one of the things that I notice a lot is like leaders feel that helicoptering somebody in and doing a workshop on well-being and mindfulness will just instantly solve their well-being and mindfulness issues. Magic. 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 Um, and then they wonder why people's like, well-being scores are still declining and why people are still taking a lot of mental health leave and things like that. So, you know, I think the trend that I saw over the last many years was like uh, the, the perspective of some leaders was really taking a look at this as like a band-aid to what was really more of a structural or a systemic issue that needed to be addressed and solved. And what I would have loved to have been doing more for Google versus some of the uh, companies and startups that I was advising Uh, was to have groups or companies or teams bring me in to assess those core root issues, you know, is it a communication issue with leadership is it a, you know, is it the way that leadership is actually like embodying uh, certain values that then trickle down from from the top. how willing are they to actually make change happen? You know, is, is that something yeah. that they actually care about? You know, those are the things that I really wanted to get my feet uh, more uh, embedded into. And that's obviously like now what I'm doing now that I've left Google is have been really be able to focus more on those type of things. That, I think, really creates lasting impact and creates the environments where learning can even happen in the first place.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. I started on a re- really negative note. And you really brought it to a very positive place. I love that. Um <laughs> Uh, so I like checking on time here, I see we have about like 10 minutes left in our meeting. Um, to wrap up, I'm curious, what do you see in the next three to five years? And I mean that coming from a L and D standpoint, but also from a wellness standpoint, I feel like we're just at the beginning of this really interesting wellness revolution Mm -hmm. in the workplace coming at it from a training standpoint. Um, where do you see things going? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm super excited. You know, there's never
1: I hate it when people say this, but I'm gonna say it anyway. It's like there's never been a better time to be in learning and development and to be in these spaces and be talking about well-being and 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 things like mindfulness. You know, when I started out doing the work that I was doing before Google, we didn't have Twitter, we didn't have Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or any of these other channels. We didn't have the LMS systems that were available now. The the technology just wasn't there. And with the advent of AI and some of these other technologies that have come out, I just think in general, it's incredibly way easier for somebody to get into learning and development, to create really uh, well-crafted pieces of content that can be delivered uh, in the ways that users need them to be delivered. Um, there's a handful of companies that I've been working with more recently experimenting with like text messaging as a modality for learning journeys uh, or for mindfulness journeys. And in, in the case of the type of work that I'm doing, oh, I've, right. I've been talking with another company that's been messing around with a, uh, a VR and AR as a learning modality and has, has done some really amazing stuff in the well-being space with, uh, with veterans and other types of folks on the front lines who have been really impacted in traumatic ways by the work that they're doing. So, you know, for me, me, it's it's a little bit still the Wild West. And I think that there's a lot of things that uh, a lot of bells and whistles that are being put out there. But also, I think, you know, we've got what, like 50 some years now of like really solid research and study on what works in terms of moving people forward in a learning journey and how adults learn. Um, A lot of the myths have been busted, a lot of like the bad advice has been been moved past. So, you know, what I'm really excited about is, you know, maybe the way to say it is like the democratization of these tools and resources and the more ubiquitous nature of knowing how people learn and knowing what really works for folks and a desire as well. I, I notice you know, just a lot of the younger generations and even myself, like I'm a cuspy Gen X. But I think, you know, even myself, like I hunger for learning opportunities. And now there's so many options available out there. If anything, I think the the thing that is going to be the detriment or a, a challenge is there is too many solutions that are out there now. So knowing how to focus your attention and knowing which ones to pick can be a challenge.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I've, I've definitely noticed that like both internal to companies, like company, like obviously Google, we just worked for, there's so many different
1: learning yeah, solutions. How many
0: LMSs do we have? Like 20? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, it's so many. And also externally, you know, like I've got LinkedIn learning, I've got uh master class. There's just, I've got like all the different MOOCs that were out there for a while, yeah. the massive open online okay. courses, like Go take a course from Harvard. Why not? It's it's almost, uh, you're, you're, it's just like a, an amazing age to live in, but it's also highly saturated. Um, I'm curious, like based on that idea, there's all this information out there. There's all this uh, content. What do you see as the future for LD as a profession? Like obviously the elephant in the room is there's chat GPT, yeah. AI creating training could be in the future. Yeah. But what would the future look like uh, with that in mind? Like, is LMD dead? What would the future look like?
1: Yeah, well, you know, me, the perennial optimist. You know, I, I think with all of these tools, like, the information wants to be free, and I, I believe in that strongly. Uh, and I think that because of the the fact that there's so many more channels for people to receive information. Uh, I think there's more opportunity for the right information to reach people at the right time. I mean, I just look at things like TikTok, you know, for example, which by the way, I'm not on TikTok personally, but but, I think there's some really amazing things happening in the learning space there. So much of the content that really works well there. And even beyond TikTok, you think about Instagram, you think about LinkedIn, you think about email newsletters, like education is what really converts people, giving, offering, and I think atomizing that down into formats where people actually want to receive it, having it across a multitude of different um, uh, channels and and platforms, I think that's going to be the name of the game moving forward. And I think part of it too, you know, getting really much closer to uh, where the challenge is actually being is actually occurring, and getting the intervention into the per- person's experience where that challenge is actually happening. You know, so, you know, you look at something like the well-being platform space, things like BetterUp, TaskHuman, these other services, like you can immediately have access to a therapist or a coach. Like when in history have we ever had, had that opportunity? Right. Um, I love so- that
0: you brought that up, too, because like it's that so sort of, uh, social emotional side of things. And that's learning, too, right? Like you, you need yeah. that. Uh, degree of motivation to kind of get you to learn the next thing whether it's like a cognitive behavioral therapy with a uh, psychotherapist or something anyway apologies for interrupting please continue yeah no no it's all about those little
1: dopamine hits man that's true you know so you know how are we incentivizing people you know and i I think first and foremost younger generations and i would include myself in those I think know that there is cheap or free learning that's available out there. And I think that's where a lot of them will start. They'll start with YouTube, they'll start with Reddit, <laughs> they'll start with like WebMD or whatever it is, and they'll yeah. get the bare bare bones there. And I think now that we have things like ChatGPT and like other uh, AI tools that are essentially aggregators, you know, what it basically provides is, is an amazing resource for somebody that has maybe a layman's level of understanding of a topic, Throw a couple keywords in there and get mostly factual information back. In the future, it'll be more factual. But, you know, yeah. I think that it will help people learn more quickly. And I think for myself, I think of somebody who can't afford college, can't afford to go to a tech school you know, maybe has, uh, you know, some sort of barrier to learning that's more environmental, but they've got an internet connection and they've got the ability to ask a question to Google or to chat GPT or to Bing or something like that. That, I think, is going to radically shift what learning means. And it's going to change, I think, the level of quality that practitioners like myself then bring to the table. Because we know that you can get a whole lot of basic stuff available for free. Now what we can do is we can offer higher quality, more impactful work uh, in ways that actually move the needle for folks. And I think that's really exciting.
0: I love that. Well, again, you brought us back to a a very positive place on that. So I really appreciate it. And I'm humbled that you took your time with me today. I really uh, appreciate you chatting with me. I owe you a coffee uh, every day. You're you're an inspiration to me. So uh, thanks for thanks for hanging out.
1: Yeah, and thank you, Alan. You know, I've been following your newsletter for ages and ages, and I've learned a ton even just over the last couple of years. But also, I'm just super excited we're neighbors and we can grab an actual coffee in person these days. So thank you.
0: Heck yeah. <laughs>